Previously on Magic and Metal, our three students have broken into a secret facility where they hope to rescue some captured chronomancers. After dispatching some deadly annihilators through a variety of magical means, they approach the entrance to the main building. And so from there, we continue our story. All right, as you approach the entrance that they were guarding, uh, you find that the door is locked. <gasps> I mean, that kind of makes sense. Clack, 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 clack. That, <laughs> yeah, door's that locked. That kind of makes sense. There would be a locked door. Yeah. I searched the bodies of the annihilators, annihilators for keys. Huh. I mean, is it is it a standard, like, Do, locked, locked give door? Me, or is give it... me a brains. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's like the door to like an office or a high school. It's it's like it's one of those. It's clearly made of glass, but maybe not glass. And mm-hmm. it's got like that steel bar, and like the bottom is like metal, but the top has like a window. There's actually a sign that says "Applied Physics." But there's a keyhole. There's a keyhole, right? Well, these annihilators got to get in there somehow. Brains check, and for for a plan thing, you guys can donate adversity tokens to to this. I'll, I'll chip in one for the cause. And you're just looking the four keys? Yeah, I'm just searching these annihilators because I figure they got to get in and out of this building somehow, right? Well, Marine's doing that. In Fredo's line of work, he has picked many a lock, so he would like to try to open it him themselves. Ooh, ooh, I, I rolled an eight on my D8. That means oh. it explodes, right? Yeah, explodes. Explosions. All right. Aww. Okay, so that's an 11 total. 11 total. still pretty damn good for my brains. All right. Was that with the adversity tokens? Yep, because I, I get a plus one for being planned. I got the plus one from uh, Grisham's adversity token and and an explosion. Well, I think uh, Alfredo also gave you one. No. Oh, oh okay. All right. no, <laughs> Alfredo is like, oh, I'm not going to look for keys. I'm just going to pick it like I've done before. All right. I mean, that's fair. So as you have studied with Annihilators, their hands... Uh, not their entire body, but their skeletal robotic hands are multifunctional, you've found. Uh, you've even found what looks like, it looks like the fingers are sort of melted. You've never gotten really that close to one. And you can see that one, uh, the Annihilator that Grisham had destroyed, yeah, it's got that same weird sort of uh, liquid metal sort of coming out of its fingers. The one that you blew up and wasn't expecting it, you find that it has a few of these uh, melted bits on his fingers, but one of them seems to have a pristine-looking key edge to it. It's solid, not melted, and yeah, it's just on its index finger. It seems to be made of a key. Multi-pass. Yeah, (laughs) yoink. I would like to pull that off while I'm thinking that their hands are Swiss army knives. All right. Yeah, you can. But meanwhile, I'm sure Grisham you is. Guy, you guys have a, uh, a a guy who just popped a head off one of them. So yeah, you can you free the key the the finger pretty easily in its state. Uh, you do see that when you free it, it does seem to have more of this this weird like melted metal uh, sort of inside its socket and going into its hand. Ugh, I'll wipe it off on the grass. Mm. <laughs> right, no, go ahead and give me. I'll let you. It's not quite brawn, so I'll let you choose between brawn and brains to uh, pick this lock. Well, I'm probably going to go brains, okay. uh, as I've done this before. Uh, I know, especially in a classroom-type setting, and Fredo being the kind of kid that he is, going places where he shouldn't, 
Uh, and you said this is planned, so that would be a plus one? Right. I'm going to use an adversity token to make it a five. All right. Uh, get that adversity token back. As Fredo is, you know, makes his lockpicks appear between his fingers, and he, and he starts on the door. As, as you're just starting to get pissed off at the lock, Marine comes and taps you on the shoulder. Hey, hey, hey uh, give me one second. I, I'm working here. I'm working here. I almost got it. I just got to get the, the click to go to the clack. And I just, just give me a minute, okay? Okay, sure. And I turn to Grisham and I just hold out the key. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fredo hasn't turned around and he's just like, mother, mother. I will say that normally uh, these sorts of doors are double doors. There's another door that Fredo is not working on. I will hand the key to, I'll hold out the key to Grisham to take. because Grisham I will funny. take the key and open the other door. Or try to, at least. Chick-clink. Fredo hears the click. He goes, ha motherfucker, I got it. Uh, and and you look and see that the other door, because it's like one of those doors that, like, it has the little beam in between them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you hear, you hear the click, and then you see Grisham on the other side of the glass. So, and he throws down his, his uh, tools, and he conjures them back into this pocket dimension. A for effort, bud. A for mm-hmm. effort. Eh, you know, sometimes, uh, just ain't your day. Well, hey, if this is the worst thing to happen to us today, I'll take it. Why would you say that? Because. <laughs> because it's God true. God damn it, Maureen. I know, I know, right? You enter this office building, this, this, like I said, mundane-looking facility, and the first thing that strikes you is that it's, it's dark, but it's not, it's not as dark as it should be. You do see faint flicks of the fluorescent lights as they are making noise. You have run into buildings with electricity, but not often out in the world. And as you start walking through the hall, the the floor is lined with uh, an off-white linoleum. There are, the hallways have, um, with the normal accoutrement, a fire extinguisher here, a water fountain there, doors that clearly go into other offices you see some doors that have uh have that narrow slit glass window and it looks into some sort of laboratory as you go down the hall you see before you a stairwell that goes both up and down and you see from above you you don't really notice much but from below you hear it almost, it, it takes you a second to perceive it because it's so low, this thrumming. And once you start noticing it and getting closer, the thrumming starts getting more and more apparent, both to your hearing and in how you feel. Uh, you're starting to feel these low sounds just sort of resonating within your bodies. Oh, we're getting close to the base. They dropped it already. As you continue, and it's, it's a staircase that, uh, again, linoleum-lined, it looks like very ar- almost Art Deco sort of, uh, sort of uh, handguards heading down. There's a landing, and then it heads further down. As you approach, the sounds are starting to get not only a little bit na- louder, but for Grisham and Maureen, a little bit more familiar. How so? It's similar to the sensations you feel when you've manipulated time. I look over at Grisham, and I'll stage whisper. Feel that? Grisham immediately reaches for a pocket watch to see if he has it. 
let's do an opposed. Let's do an opposed. What did we do last time? I think we did flight. Let's do opposed brained to see who has it now. Okay. okay. Probably should have picked a better brain stat. Oh, no, that one worked okay, I guess. Uh, Grisham reaches into his pocket and still has the watch. I think Maureen has been too distracted by what's going on to even think about taking the watch at this time. And then, yeah, Grisham looks over at Maureen and says, timey-wimey bullshit. Mmm. Mmm. Have I ever thrummed like that when I do that? Like, I, I don't know if you thrum, but I thrum. I don't know if I thrum. You thrum. I, I, I'm mainly doing equations, so I can't thrum as, quite as hard. Maybe we just need to do this more often, and then we'll do the rhythm, rhythmic thrumming. As you descend down the stairs, you see another floor, and very similar to the one that you just came from. The stairs continue to descend. You go through two or three more floors, very similar to the one that is, uh, that is at the top long linoleum floored hallway the buzzing of fluorescent lights it looks very ordinary from what you've understood from penta studies you you get to one last staircase and the thrum is becoming very apparent you descend the staircase and this time you're before, not before we descend as as the thrumming is happening do grisham and i remember any way of like Shielding is the wrong term, but like if if I wanted to stop someone from jumping back a second, is there anything I could do to stop it? You could try. Oh. You'd think it would be it would be hard, but you could we could conjure something to where you would have an opportunity to try. Yeah. In and then I don't know if did Marine ask that out loud out loud? Sure. I, I think I would stop us and be like because and in character say. That, that's what I'm worried about. If the thrumming is them doing the going back in time thing or something like that, and we need to stop it or we need to protect ourselves from it, how do we protect ourselves from other people going back in time or making us go back in time? Or you just did the thing where you made the head go forward in time. How do we stop ourselves from having our heads go forward in time? Oh, no, Maureen, I'm starting to fade. The equations to do these are very complex. If you make it hard to do the math, it makes it harder to go back in time. That's my take on it. So we need to add pi to things. We need to yeah, complicate things. Just any kind of magic that clouds their judgment, their thinking, that takes them somewhere else. Like anything like that that takes their that distracts them off the task at hand to do the do the math would knock out. I would think all but the most naturally talented cardamancers. So, uh, not me. You, your talents are in other things, uh, Fredo. I mean, maybe your maybe your talents is in stopping this. As, as y'all have this conversation, the thrum rises to a peak and then starts to dissipate. It doesn't disappear. It's still Is there. Is it the same note every time? It has, it has, while you were having that conversation, it rose to a higher pitch, I guess you could say. Not a high pitch, but a higher pitch. And now it has decrescendoed and... Now it's at a level that you noticed when you first walked in, but you're a lot closer and it had been growing louder and now it's soft and perceptible, but not quite as potent as it was a second ago. Probably we need duplicate magic too, so there's multiple of us, so that they, they try to strike, they just hit a duplicate. Just thinking out loud here. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Also, also, if they need the noise, if they're bringing the noise, how that, that saying go? We bring the funk. 
Can we bring the silence? Can can no. we make the noise go away? If they bring the noise, the girls rock the boys. Well, I I You come I on and I... feel the noise. Well, we're feeling the noise right now, that's for sure. Grisham, do you know how to make silence happen? Or or Fredo, you know how to make silence happen? Maybe silence isn't what we need. Maybe what we need is a distraction. And I mean we're good at those. I think of all the times I've tried to do math and how I got distracted, and then Grisham leans over to Fredo. I think we need to give Fredo a voice. Oh, I love talking to these guys. All right, Fredo, dude. you're the perfect distraction. <laughs> That's what my ma said, and then she sent me to school. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> she cared about me, wanted me to get an education. Yeah. You're learning quite a bit, I feel like. You're developing your superpower. As the noise has subsided, you hear now also sort of a babbling of voices. Any that we recognize? Uh, it's kind of a, it's, it's sort of a din, a very soft din. But definitely it, it sounds like people overlapping and speaking. Like yelling at each other no. or? Okay. Uh, we want to try to be sneaky down these last five stairs. Take a look-see before we do a distraction. I think we sneak. So we sneak and then I'm me. All right, everyone give yeah. me a... Because there's not really a good way to... Actually, tell me tell me how you sneak. Are you going to be using magic or are you going to be using uh, uh, some other means? Well, just footfalls, silent footfalls. I'm going to mount my broom and I'm going to look at everybody and say, follow me, follow me. And as I am coasting down the stairs really slowly so that You're there's on a no rascal. footfalls... Huh? You're on a rascal. Like going yeah. to the grocery store. Exactly, exactly. But it is it is the sneakiest of rascals. Okay. Because it literally is, is sneaky. I'm going to use two more adversity tokens and not be seen. Okay. And so I think it's the broom kind of shimmers and that, uh, and then I shimmer and the linoleum pattern that's on all of the, the walls and everything just kind of, I chameleon into it. So if you're looking directly at me, you see kind of the outline. But if you're not, it's really hard to see me. I'll go spend my last two adversity tokens. Okay. All right. As you descend quietly, uh, give me a flight roll. All of us or me or who? Uh, are all of you following uh, Marine or? I, I am not going via flight. Okay. Especially if she's going at a rascal's pace where I can keep up on foot. Mm-hmm. Fredo is going to try to do an obscure type charm, but we'll go ahead and resolve okay. her flight so go first. Ahead, go ahead and give me a flight roll. How about you, Grisham? Are you... Actually, Maureen, give me a flight roll. Fredo, give me a mat. Brains or... F so I was trying to do like a charming effect where... Yeah, brains or charm. Yeah, charm. And then Grisham, how do you want to descend, uh, uh, proceed stealthily? I want to give myself the ability to stick to walls a la any number of spider people. And okay. uh, try and climb up the ceiling and see if I can find the quiet or shadowy spaces to crawl through. All right, give me uh, brains or grit. Oh, grit it is. I got a 12 on my flight. All right. And I'm going to spend three adversity tokens to make me an, an even 10. Jeez. Oh, All right. Whoa. <laughs> Everybody drink. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, Jack, will you describe your, your dice roll here? Yeah. All right. So um, uh, my grit is I get to roll a d20 for that, and I rolled a 20 on the die. So that's a 21, and then it explodes, I believe. So I get to add another nine to that. So... Uh, 30 total. 30 total. All Damn. right. You know, it, it's legacy thing. Like, I, I, if, I, it, if tasking needs to happen without a trace, that's kind of my, my bag, I guess. 
some things, some things just carry over from character to character. We some all have those things through lines. never change. Yeah. Some of us have those through lines that are just very obvious, and yours is not as obvious because they're sneaky. Fredo also is a fan of cooking. <laughs> Although his is Italian cooking versus Carlton's food. All right. Versus Carlton's so, just all food everywhere. I'm looking at something that is, let's see here. Grisham actually becomes the Spider-Verse. He does. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Young me bought, first comic I ever bought was Amazing Spider-Man number 400, which <gasps> dates me a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah. we already talked at the beginning how old we all are. So we I did. Enjoy it. How much longer before um, Into the Spider-Verse 2? Uh, it's this year. I think it was yeah. July or something. I think okay. it's the summer. Okay. Perfect. So. You, uh, Maureen, uh, starts rascaling down the stairs very quietly. Uh, Fredo charms himself to look like, to sort of blend in, although it's, uh, it's, it's somewhat effective. It's, it's sort of a more exaggerated, like, predator invisibility. You can see it a little bit more, but it's definitely, like, you know, transmitting the light that's behind him and in front of him. Grisham, though, effortlessly... Uh, starts climbing the walls, moving in a way that you guys have not seen before. You didn't think Grisham was this flexible. And as you all make your way very quietly down the stairs and into, into this last floor, and you see there's no more stairs heading down, you see uh, this set of stairs is a bit longer than the previous ones. And it's because this room has a much higher ceiling. It seems to be a single room and you see, as you're coming in, you are actually coming into a what looks like a set of desks and a, a wall that's made of glass. This area sort of encircles this big square room. It seems to be an area that is definitely separated from the space in the middle. It, it seems to be some sort of observation area. And what you are observing is... In the middle of the space, you see arranged in a circle five humanoids. They are human forms. They are strapped to chairs. They have what look like wires dug into the back of their skull and into the base and the base of their neck. Uh, you can see uh, uh, since you're coming in, the, they're and they're arranged in uh, in a circle in this area that's just beyond the glass from you, you see that they're bound to these metal chairs, but they're bound in a way that their hands are, are set upon these weird crystal orbs that are crackling with energy. The ones that you can see that are facing you, their eyes are wide, transfixed in horror. And in the middle of this weird circle is a raised platform. Also encased in glass and you see that the what looks to be the remnants of magic having just been discharged but uh, you see like the flickers of the energy that that sort of manifests itself when you are when you perform magic but this particular sort of residue is again familiar to Maureen and Grisham as these are the telltale signs of a recent chronomancy spell. Do we see any annihilators or any other 
bad things. No annihilators. You see that, and now that you've you've come into this room, these these poor souls that are bound and seemingly plugged into whatever terrible machine this is, you can see them that they are mouthing words that don't make any sense to Fredo. They sound familiar. They sound like equations to to uh, Marine. And they are absolutely mind-blowing chronomancy equations to Grisham that they're just muttering. And Grisham is able to discern that they are broken. They are sort of like babbling strings of equations that don't quite match up to anything. It's sort of, it, it seems like they're just spouting noise right now. And you see uh, in this observation area that sort of encircles this room, you do see actually. Uh, as you walk forward, I described it as glass in case. It probably was before this. The glass is now all over the floor. The outer... The outer ring has... It seems like something has forced this glass observation area to... All the glass in there is broken and now strewn about the floor. Uh, and and as, I met, as, as I was about to describe, there's a door going into the, uh, the, the, ma- the main area where everyone is, is held. How... You said they're all strapped to chairs. Is this leather straps, metal straps? They seem to be, yeah, they're metal and they're, they see it. It's weird. The chair is almost like contoured to put their hands right on a crystal ball and not be able to do anything else. Do we know how to break crystal balls? I look at Fredo and I whisper, do you know how to break a crystal ball? Yeah, yeah. You just got to drop it. Okay. Go high up. If if you can't drop it, what's the second best way to break a crystal ball? You freeze it real, and then you heat it real quick. So you go cold spell, hot spell, and then it go the cells in the glass go. Want to break some balls? So one of us would have to freeze while the other then simultaneously tries to hot it. All right, so let's break some balls. Cold to dull the ball, hot to explode it away. Hey, if I'm good at doing tug jobs, I'm good at busting balls. That Can we stop are. there? Can that yeah. be the place where <laughs> no, we're stopping? No, this we got it. We got it. There's another scene we, that we have to get to right now. Okay. So as you as you just start destroying these crystal balls, uh, these it's pretty easy to do. It's weird. There's machinery everywhere, but it is mixed with instruments like these crystal balls that are clearly of the arcane. Uh, you've never seen anything like it. And as uh, as you break these balls, the chronomancers start rousing. And you recognize Becky Hammond, Steve Kerr, Bruce Bowen, Manu Ginobili, and your friend, Professor Hamilton Hauer. As you free them from the crystal ball, they stop and their first instinct is pain as they've clearly been altered to fit this purpose. And uh, you, you tend to all of them, but uh, Hamilton Hauer obviously gets your your attention as you all know him and as he looks at you and says my my friends I'm sorry they they made me do it I'm sorry you're too late it already went through through what and that's where we're going to end it oh because maureen was going to be like well we're not too late i'll just go back in time we'll we'll pick up that thread next time we're all out of time because there's going to be some problem solving uh, to do your next step. But at least we stopped and broke some balls.
You freed some chronomancers. There's our episode title, Tug Jobs and Ball Bustin'. Please, no. no. <laughs> yeah, before you guys thought about breaking the balls, I thought about casting like some sort of spell that would put peanut butter or cookie butter in their mouth so they could stop speaking. Or so it would be too sticky for them to talk. But it was, it was too late, it was too late. They would have been able to say they would have been, We wouldn't even know that. We'd be like, and they would have wanted milk. That's that's amazing. But I figured when Jonathan was talking about how it was like broken strings, that like that was just like a byproduct. That they didn't actually have to be speaking to do whatever they were doing. But it was obvious that the balls were important. Balls are always important in magic. I mean, you have to gaze into them on a regular basis. Especially if you're a wizard. <laughs> do you have an orb? Yep, they have to be pondered. <laughs> Do you need to ponder your orb? There's a, there's an emote in Destiny where it's pondering your orb, and it's fantastic. It's, it's okay. Good. I thought I had to come up with a really old meme, and I was just proving it's how old I am. Not that old. It was. It was that was that was a a, a vintage pandemic meme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we have stopped everybody from pondering their orbs, and the next time we get together, we will uh, go back in time and let them ponder again. I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you all for joining us and for this episode of uh, Magic and Metal. And uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some work that needs doing. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next encounter. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Forrest from Stabby Quest, Jesse Florence, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.